Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Glad that you're here. Want to welcome those watching online in our other campuses as well. Uh, hey there, I hear there's a football game going on today. All right. How many of you uh, are Packers fans? Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, okay. Well, come on. Let's be nice to them. Uh, so how many of you are Packers fans? Yeah. Okay. How many of you are Christians? The, uh, no, yeah, no, just kidding. Yeah, we know that there you can be saved and like the Packers somehow. I don't know, uh, but it could happen. Uh, actually, maybe the topic is good for today uh, uh, to talk about. I'm Ben, the lead pastor, and I was having a conversation with my wife. I told her, we're doing this real practical series. We always do this, a few sermons in the new year, maybe some new habits that we can step into. We talked about spiritual habits next week. I hope you're taking some steps there. I hope when it comes to uh, maybe uh, taking a step with baptism or even the newcomers uh, dessert after this or a child dedication or joining a group or serving, that you're taking these spiritual steps because they're really crucial for us uh, to take. Today we're going to talk about interpersonal stuff, about how we're doing in our relationships uh, with other people. And I told my wife that, the, the, that we were doing this week, the sermon title was Doing Better with People, and she said, oh, that's great, who's going to speak? And I said, I am. She said, that's interesting. Anyway, because uh, I have room to grow. You have room to grow. We all have room to grow when it comes to this aspect of our life. Because, well, we've been around, maybe around the holidays, uh, maybe just even back at work. Uh, we're around people who can challenge us. When everything's going right, great, when your kids uh, obey you, when your spouse comes to you and says, I've been wrong the whole time, you know, when it's like that, it's easy to have great relationships when everything's going well at work. But when we're around challenging people, and sometimes we can be those people, it's at that point that Jesus wants to speak to us about this. Because we know what it's like, maybe it's someone in your life who's overly emotional. They're, they're just sort of drama all the time. And you're saying, okay, how can, I, how can I be in that relationship productively? Someone who's overly critical, uh, or you feel at least like they're overly critical uh, in your life. I could go, maybe someone who manipulates you. How do I, how do I show up there? In fact, one of my uh, favorite authors, he wrote this a number of years ago, uh, Ken Davis. He's also a pastor. Uh, he writes about a situation, even with his little, own, uh, little daughter, it was time for her to go to bed, and it all of a sudden becomes uh, this contentious situation uh, because she doesn't want to go, go to bed. He writes this, go to bed, I told my daughter. She's stalling. Daddy, does God talk to us? Yes, God talks to us, I said. Tracy, go to sleep. We'll discuss it in the morning. Being a fool, I thought that would uh, satisfy her. No, we must discuss it now, she yelled back. God just spoke to me. Before I could have uh, formed the appropriate theological response, she added, and he said I could stay up. 
Tracy, go to bed, I commanded. I need a drink of water, she shot back. The ver verbal sparring match intensified. You can't have water. Why? You'll wet the bed. I quit, she said. You didn't quit wetting the bed, I countered. You just wet the bed last night. She was quick. The cat did that. And then uh, she said it without hesitation, without blinking. Maybe she's going to be a lawyer. I bellowed, uh, the spot on your bed was the size of a large pizza. We only have a tiny little kitty. It wasn't our cat, she said. Uh, she was a true professional. She was going to be a lawyer. Yes, she was shocked, shocked. Uh, and she, she was really uh, defiant. I held her by the shoulders. Look me in the eye, I said, and tell me the truth. Her bottom lip began to quiver. A huge tear welled up in her eye. I'm sorry, Daddy, she sobbed. But a big giant cat took the screen off my window, jumped on my bed. He went on the bed, then jumped back out the window. Sensing my skepticism, she continued, he put the screen back on after he left. <laughs> That's why it's still there. I was speechless. I was coming to a slow boil. I can't believe you'd lie to me like this, I scolded. If you want, uh, I want you to go straight to bed, and I don't want to hear another peep out of you. Moments later, I could hear her in her bedroom making tiny little peeping sounds. Uh, then after a few more moments of precious, lovely silence, a defiant little voice screeched from the bedroom, Dad, I want water and I want it now. The gauntlet had been thrown down. My parental authority was up for grabs. I only had one option. I called on the sacred, hallowed words of parents from across the reaches of time. If I hear one more word out of you, I roared, I'm going to come in there and give you a spanking. When you come, she said, bring a glass of water. <laughs> now, that's funny when it's a kid, right? Uh, but what about when we're in a situation and it's really difficult, and we can look at this micro or macro. We can look at how our society responds. And here's, there are many things I believe living today. I love being alive today. So many things that should be encouraging to you. When it comes to access to travel and healthcare and jobs and all of that, just even, not only in our country, globally, it's really the best it's ever been in so many ways. Yet when it comes to, you would think, as, and some would say this, secularists would say this, as people become more enlightened, more educated, that they would, uh, people would get along better. And the opposite has happened. Actually, that people with very uh, high levels of education and access to all these things have done some of the vilest things we've ever seen across history. And it's because we move away sometimes from God's instruction. Now, I'm not one of these people, I don't worship the Bible, but I believe it perfectly tells us how to live. And so God, He knew we would have trouble in this. And, and He says, whether it's, uh, you know, societally in your, or in your work, politically, your family, whatever it is, I'm calling you to do better with people. I'm calling you to live in a different way. Now, if you're here and you're saying, Ben, hey, I'm not, I'm not a Christ follower. One, I'm so glad you're here. But if you are a follower of Christ, here's, here's the challenge to you. If you're really follow, Jesus says you are not, no longer your own, you have been bought with a price. Do you know that if you're a Christ follower, there are some decisions you don't even need to pray about because God has said, operate this way. And so the challenge is, how do I live that out? 
And Jesus, he, he challenges our preconceived notions when it comes to doing better with people. And, and he was saying this in a society that was religiously and ethnically charged where people were having the typical uh, problems and family relationships and workplaces. And, and so a guy comes up to Jesus, he's a teacher in the law, and he's sort of asking, what's that one thing? You know, sort of like the old City Slickers movie, what's that one thing I have to do to get right? So we read from here, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with all your strength in all your mind. And that's the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4. It was basically, hey, this is the one thing that you need to know about following God. L love Him with all that you have. Every good Jewish boy and girl would have known that. Uh, and, and he adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly. By the way, if Jesus asks you something, it's a one test, a one question test, and you get it right, that's when you stop talking. But this guy doesn't stop talking. He's a little arrogant. Uh, Jesus replied, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus asked that first time, not Mr. Rogers. He asked that, uh, who is my neighbor? And how we answer that, really, it reveals the quality of our faith and the character we have and also where our heart is. And by the way, that can change how, how we define that. Maybe we've defined that very, in, in a very myopic way. And this is where Christianity stands really in stark contrast to other religions and worldviews is the answer to this particular question, which is so radically different. That's not ethnocentric, language-centric. In fact, even with the nation of Israel, he said, I blessed you to be a blessing. That's why I blessed you to be an example, to be a light unto the Gentiles. And, and we find this as a differentiating factor uh, among other faiths because Jesus has this expansive uh, answer to this question. Now, when I say that, some of you might say, that's great. You know, it's just, hey, you know, you believe anything and that's all good. No, that's not what the Bible says because you'll believe things that'll shipwreck your life and lead you away from God. That truth is ultimately important because truth sets us free. So we can hold on to this, this truth of God, the scriptural teaching, not to be right because, because it's who God is. It's, it's reality and it impacts us. But we can have this expansive view on neighbor as well. So Jesus tells a story uh, that if you're, I wasn't a church person growing up, maybe you heard this story. In fact, tens if not hundreds of millions of people who've never been in a church or read the Bible are familiar with this particular account. It's become so famous that Jesus told. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So this guy in the Middle East excuse me, <clears throat> uh, traveling uh, alone, and it's a dangerous neighborhood, uh, he falls on difficult times in the story that Jesus tells. And a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man and passed by on the other side. Now, a, a priest uh, going alone, uh, priests would go together to the place of worship, to the temple, but then they'd leave, you know, and go their separate way. So he had just been to church, and, sort of, and here's the pastor, he's at church, and then he comes back and doesn't pay attention, which is not really good if you're a pastor. And it's a challenge, right? 
And then the Levites, sort of the spiritual people, uh, they had a pedigree. We read about them. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, uh, passed by on the other side. So he doesn't do a good job. And then, but a Samaritan, and when you hear Samaritan, think bad person. Think boo. Think like Packers fan. Think, you know, something like that. It's, a, you know, the worst thing you can think of. And no, I'm just kidding. You're a Packers fan. God loves you. No, I'm not sure why. But anyway, the, uh, but, but so, uh, but a Samaritan, this is a person who religiously and ethnically would be on the outside. And he actually, it's interesting, Jesus points to his actions as representing the heart of God. And as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. So, so that he does this thing. He, took, he, he not only sees him, he cares for him, he fixes him up. And then he goes another mile. And he says, then he put, uh, he put the man on his own donkey, if we can, yeah, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, I, okay, we can roll back a little bit. I'm not that fast. <laughs> but thank you for believing in me. The, uh, I do appreciate that. Uh, so uh, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper uh, looking after him and said, when, uh, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expe extra expense you may have. And then Jesus says, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law uh, replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You know, to have mercy, to show grace, it always indicates a situation where you would be likely to do the opposite. See, Jesus doesn't say this to people when everything's going right. He says it when there's challenges, when there's tensions. And we, we see this in families, we see this in society. And if you want to be a follower of Christ, you have to live beyond those tensions if you want to honor Jesus. Well, that person hurt me. They said bad stuff about me. I get it. And, and if we were going to judge it according to standards of what people think is right, but not very helpful, and society is not working really well, you would operate one way. But Jesus always talks about operating, responding in the opposite spirit. Not from a point of weakness, not, but from a point of strength. And I don't know where this hits you, what relationship you might be thinking about. You could be thinking uh, about a family gathering, a workplace that could be uh, broader, what's happening in society. See, we have this view of how we view people. One, they're a victim to exploit. Uh, now, I don't think many of us would uh, want to be in that category. We wouldn't think of that. But number two, they can be a problem to avoid. Oftentimes, we just stick around with people who think like us, talk like us, vote like us. Or they can be a person of value. And that is what Jesus is pointing to, that each and every person is a person of value. And yet, what I want to be reflective is, is, do I represent that in my actions and attitude? Now, you might be here and say, Ben, hey, you know, I'm not like a Jesus follower kind of person. Let me tell you why this is important anyway. If you're a Christ follower, God commands it, and it honors God. So that should hopefully be enough for you. But if you're thinking, well, you know, I really want to do well. I want to have a great marriage. You need to do this. I want to get promoted. You need to be really good at this. Because actually, 
you know, uh, expertise in your field, and I hope you do really well, but you'll know that where it doesn't matter how much you know about your particular subject, that at a certain level in a company, that's almost irrelevant. It's how are you doing with people? And that'll determine the path. It'll determine your financial success. Uh, is how can I do better with people? See, these biblical principles apply. As for a Christ follower, though, it's really essential. For a good marriage, uh, parenting, I was with my growth group. Uh, I hope you guys have signed up for uh, a growth group already. Uh, uh, we have so many great ones uh, there. We have our re-engaged marriage ministry, our restore ministries, recovery, our all growth groups. I was with mine on Friday night, and it's uh, parents of adult children. And uh, so we just uh, sit around, party, and praise God that they're gone. And the, uh, <laughs> no, we, we do more than that. Uh, we do a little bit of that, though, too. Anyway, uh, uh, but it's sort of, I learned so much from those uh, other people. And, and how do I be a good parent in this stage of my life? And so we, we, it always changes. And really, it's not so much about learning the skill for that stage. It's how do I show up? How do I show up? A question you might ask is, how can I view people differently? How, how can I view people differently? One of the main things we can do when we show up is, number one, choose not to be easily offended. In fact, we see this in, in, in the Bible. If, if you're easily offended, you'll be easily defeated. If someone's walking by you uh, at, at work, and they're like, they just walk by you, they don't say hi, they don't make eye contact, and what do we usually do? That person's a jerk. What's wrong with them? They may not like me. I, I think they're a horrible person. And you know what? I hate to tell you, it may have nothing to do with you. Maybe they just had an argument with their spouse. Maybe they just got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe they're just thinking about something. Maybe there was a sale at Big Gulps on the 7-Eleven, and they need a restroom quickly. <laughs> but oftentimes what we do, and we have this culture of offense, which has not helped anyone yet, instead of saying, I'm not going to be easily offended. I'm not going to be easily offended. My, my doctor, uh, I, I've had a number of doctors. I changed to this doctor because, uh, one, I think she's super smart. And uh, two, she's super direct. And uh, she, uh, International Weekend, by the way, I hope you'll go on the map out there, sort of say where you're from originally. It's sort of fun to see where everyone's from. Uh, but she's not from this country originally. Uh, and so her English is super direct with less nuance. And I need that because I'm sort of hard-headed. Like, uh, I, I had a health problem, and I tried it every other way, through diet and exercise. And uh, I had really high blood pressure. Uh, because of you people. And, uh, and so, uh, because I had this high blood pressure, uh, I, uh, I, I tried everything, and I, and I told her, hey, I feel really good. You know, why would I? And she says, no, you need to go on blood pre pressure medication for it. And I said, well, you know, uh, what is it? I'll go on it when the symptoms get bad. What will be the symptoms? And she said, you probably have no symptoms. You just die. Guess what? I'm on medication now. Isn't that awesome? Uh, and she, uh, and then uh, I went into her the other day, and she goes, she, she goes, you gained 10 pounds. And I'm like, I thought it was 20, so I'm pretty happy. And why would, is she just a rude, awful person, or is she actually trying to save my life? 
Is she actually, does she care about me so much? She's trying to literally save my life by saying things that I don't particularly want to hear. Not everyone who comes in your life and says something that's difficult for you to hear, they're not all enemies. There are, I mean, there are people who maybe just have something wrong psychologically. They've got some weird bent and that you do need to stay with because they are sort of an enemy. But most people who come in your life, even if they do it in the wrong way, even if it's at the wrong time, would you believe that they may be trying to help you? Would you believe that when your spouse comes to you and, and they talk to you about your drinking, that they're not judging you? That maybe they're concerned about your health, they're concerned about your relationships, how you're treating people, actually many things in your life, that it's not just to punish you, it's to help you. And when I can have that attitude, by the way, guess where I get this attitude from? Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields, and whenever you read in the Hebrew, Hebrew there's always usually a positive or negative corollary. So wherever there's, it talks about something negative, there's, hey, there's a positive action, or something positive, there's a negative action to avoid. And so it, it says a person's wisdom yields patience. You know what a, a person's foolishness yields? Impatience. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And so maybe for us, it's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to be so easily offended. This number two is step into other people's perspectives. A sign of maturity uh, can be where we step into other people's perspectives. By the way, as a church, this is what we do. This is why Timberlake exists. My experience, again, not a church person growing up, not a, a Christian background growing up, is we, we want to understand, like make it easy for you to just focus on God, to try to remove the distractions, hopefully have an environment that's good and safe and, and, and fun. You know, that's called, it's called empathy. Empathy, again, when it comes to marriage success, parenting success, career success, is going to be uh, one of the top three factors. When it comes to engaging with other people, God calls us to be empathetic. Now, here's the thing. I, I know some of you, you're, you're like, oh, you, know, you even walk into this place, and it's like, yeah, I'm not very religious, and, and I'm not sure about the people around me. Do you know that you're around many people who have out you in your lifetime? Isn't that frightening? Yeah. And what do we do? We all come to God's grace says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. We don't like to be servants, do we? But there's something that I'm more like Jesus when I do that. Am I a servant in my home? Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And part of one of the things we want to do, a question that we can ask, is I wonder what's going on in that person's heart. Sometimes you're going to be around someone, it could be just a deep insecurity or a wound. It could be a different upbringing. And, and, and when we step into other people's perspective, we make progress relationally and we do better with people. Uh, if you want to lead people well, if you're in a management position, 
that's important to help them achieve what God's called them to achieve. Uh, and then number three, avoid blame shifting. Uh, blame shifting is where uh, maybe we're in a situation and uh, there's, there's a conflict. And it's usually part our fault, part their fault. It's usually never 100% someone's. And oftentimes we focus on what the other person did wrong instead of maybe our part in this. I, I, I've seen this time and time again. Someone will say, yeah, well, you know, I may have had an affair, but, you know, she, she uh, uh, nags me all the time. Well, okay, yeah, that's called blame shifting. You know, I may not be very uh, affectionate in marriage relationship, but he works too much. Okay. See, both can be true, but when we own our own part of the equation, we make progress. And here's the thing that can be disturbing is sometimes the other person may not fully own the other part of the equation. Uh, here's why this is so important, is when we're, when we're facing, and, we, and usually there's blame to share if there's conflict, there's blame to share if there's a bad work environment, there's blame to sh share in any situation, but blaming is not productive. Do you know that I've never seen anyone blame themselves into a promotion, blame themselves into a better marriage, blame themselves into sobriety, blame themselves into physical health, blame themselves into being a better parent? What we need to do is, number four, is to actively work to make difficult situations better. Ephesians 4.31 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. So the question is, is if we are right now in a situation that's difficult to say, how can I actively do my part to change the atmosphere? I truly believe that if you're on a team at work, uh, that one or two people can change the entire atmosphere of a team. It's just by showing up in a different way. It, it's number five, do the right thing anyway. Do the right thing anyway. Some of Jesus' followers were sent out by him, and uh, they were to share the gospel, the good news, how people could come in a relationship with God. And guess what? People didn't listen to him. They didn't even treat him very well. And you know what Jesus' disciples said? Hey, Jesus, these people don't listen. Why don't you call down fire from heaven? Why don't you nuke them? And Jesus said, we do not roll that way in the hip-hop version of the Bible. And the, uh, he said, no, we're going to operate differently. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Here, here's the overarching thought, is uh, Jesus is actually concerned uh, with the redemption of every single person on planet earth, and he's asking his followers to learn to live and love in such a way as to awaken and convict the conscious of even the most self-seeking, greedy, hate-filled, even violent people who walk around on the planet doing bad things. Now, does that mean that I, I, I just, you know, become a doormat for other people? I'm not saying that at all. Because sometimes, number six, you need to learn to leave healthy. Uh, you need to learn to leave healthy. There are situations that, you're, that, that you cannot be in anymore. Now, as I say this, I want to share my perspective, uh, and you may have a different perspective, which is great. You can be wrong. And the, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
uh, when it comes to like marriage relationships. I'm always like a fight for your marriage. Like that's why we have re-engage, uh, marriage ministry, is as much as you can do that. You might say, hey, that's already over. Okay, it, it's over and uh, that's, you're in a new season of life. So how can you learn to leave, whether maybe it's a, 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 a relational situation, a church, a workplace, how can you leave healthy? How you leave a situation, especially a difficult one, says a lot about you and your heart. One of the things we need to do is learn to leave healthy. And when, maybe you're already divorced and you say, okay, you know, that, that he is a jerk or she's a jerk. Uh, you still can show up in a way that honors God. A, a buddy of mine, uh, a great guy, I mean, this guy is like as close to a saint as I've ever met, uh, real successful in commercial real estate in Montana, was in a very difficult ma uh, marriage. His wife was unfaithful in, with finances, sexuality, I mean, you just name, you name it, and it was a very difficult situation. Uh, screamer, yeller, all of that. Uh, the marriage fell apart, and his kids came uh, to him and, and said, after they were adults, and they said, Dad, you know, one of the things that, that we really disappointed us is that mom was, you know, she was this way, and you never said anything bad about her. And he said, you were kids. I was never going to use you as a weapon in a dissolving relationship. And he's they said, well, now we're adults. He said, well, I'll take you out for a beer and I'll tell you what I think about your mother. <laughs> and he, uh, <laughs> he literally did say that. Uh, if, you're, if you're in a situation like that, never use your kids as a weapon. You can, it'll be effective, and it, it'll all, most likely cause damage that will go well into their adult years and beyond. So it's difficult because you might feel like it's right, and, and I may not disagree with you, but It'll destroy other people in the process. And we need to learn to leave healthy. You know, you're, you're saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm new to Timberlake. I'm, I'm from another church. Uh, that's great. I'm glad you're here. I, I leave healthy from that place. It doesn't mean, you know, you don't need, there's some things that maybe are just, sh shouldn't be said. A workplace, I've talked to so many people who, I hated my job, and, I, and, and they're telling everyone on their way out, they're blowing up social media. Here's the problem, my friend. Someday you will need a recommendation from that company, and it will not go very well for you. Learn to leave healthy. We see this in the Bible, uh, Abraham and Lot. Abraham, before he was uh, Abraham, he was Abram, God, when he called him to be the father of the nation of Israel. He changed his name, doing a new thing. His nephew Lot, and they were having a conflict, and he had the power, he had the authority, but notice how he operates. So Abram said uh, to Lot, uh, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You know what that's called? That's called maturity. What it comes down to ultimately is number seven, is following Jesus and doing better with people. And Jesus, you think about who is right and who is wrong. When, when it came to our sin, we were wrong. Jesus was in the right, but he made the first move. Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ forgave you. 
And here's what's important, is we don't have our eyes on the situation or our problem or even our rights. It says this, we have this example, this high priest in the book of Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The ultimate question is, when I want to do better with people, it's not even sometimes the skills for the situation. It's, Jesus, can I have your heart? As I, as I walk into this new year, I want to, I want to have a better relationship with my, with my kids, with, with my boyfriend or girlfriend or friends or whoever's in your circle. And you say, Jesus, can you do a thing in my heart that I, I change the temperature of relation, even when I need to leave, even when I need to walk away, God, that I represent you. See, the ultimate thing, though, is if we're just doing it on our own strength and own, our own power, is that it's hard. It's allowing Jesus to become so central in our thoughts and our life that we, we say, Lord, what would you want me to do in this situation? And even when I don't like it, even when it goes against my will, God, I want to honor you. See, I believe for many of you, this could be the best year ever when it comes to your friendships, your workplace, your relationships. And that maybe there's been a way you've, and it could have been how you've learned and it could be for, through hurt. I understand the circumstances. But Jesus wants to bless you, and he really does, if you'll follow him this way. And maybe you're here and you say, hey, I haven't even taken that step to really follow him. Uh, at any point, you can take that step. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It matters where you're going. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.